We are reading in, in Genesis chapter 27, and let me recap some of the things that we went over last week. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 27, Isaac is 137 years old. So Isaac now is 137 years old, and um, uh, Jacob and Esau are 77 years old, therefore, because he was 60 when they were born. So he, they're 77 years old. So Jacob and Esau are not young men. They're not 18 years old. They're 77. Uh, uh, Isaac is 137, and Rebecca, Isaac's wife, we don't know how old she is, but she's probably she's certainly over a hundred. Because if she weren't, if she were not over a hundred, she would have been like two years old when she got married. Okay, so she's over a hundred, and and. Uh, um, so that that and I gave you last time I gave you the all the different verses whereby you could do the arithmetic and piece together their ages. And what we've got in this chapter this is sometimes called Jacob's deception, but actually everybody in this chapter is doing something wrong. So Isaac is violating the word of God by planning to give the blessing to his son Esau and Esau had already sold his birthright, and the blessing is supposed to follow the birthright. His wife, Rebekah, is doing wrong by deceiving him to give it to Jacob. God would have intervened. God's word has to be fulfilled. God would have intervened and, and done this another way, but she is now deceiving her husband. Anytime we deceive authority over us, anytime we deceive authority, there are ramifications for that that are negative. Now you say, well, how else could she have stopped this thing? She could well have prayed. She could well have appealed to her husband. And God would have seen it happen. And then Jacob then ends up going along with his, his mother on this deception, on this ruse. And, and uh, uh, Jacob was not willing. He wasn't a, a willing person in the beginning. But it's not like Jacob's a little kid. Jacob is 77 years old at this point. So, so uh, uh, he's certainly held accountable for his actions. So everybody's doing wrong here. And, and if you go back to, to uh, Genesis chapter 25, when the promise was given, it says in 25 verse 23, it says, And the older shall serve the younger. The older shall serve the younger. And there, was, it, there it was foretold that Jacob will be will be the one that was going to get the birthright. That's where it was told. And then later on in that chapter, it, it says that uh, um, uh, in verse, in, in verse uh, uh, 34 of that same chapter, that then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went away. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau despised what God had given him and sold it for Trinkets, sold it for a, a bowl of red lentils because he said he was starving. Now, remember I told you I'm not a prophet, but I just have a whole lot of data points because I went to the university at the age of 18 and I've never left. So I've seen, imagine how many students I've seen over the years and the decisions that they make and the ramifications of those decisions. And I see what happens in the lives of young people based upon their decisions. And, and uh, I see this type of thing happening all the time. You say, oh, you see people sell their birthright for a bowl of red lentils? Yeah, sort of. 
And and uh, I, I can and and so what Esau said in in uh, in, in chapter twenty five, um, in verse uh, chapter twenty five verse thirty, and Esau said to Jacob, "Please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished." Therefore, his name was called Edom, which means red. Um, and and it, then it goes on to say, "But Jacob said, first sell me your birthright." Esau said, "Behold, I'm about to die. So what use then is the birthright to me?" So you see that he says, "Oh, I'm about to die." He certainly was not about to die physically. I mean, his father Jacob had quite quite a spread there that he could have had uh, uh, anything he wanted to eat. But he, he, he did this. Now, now I see young people make decisions that I know are going to affect their lives. And they think, well, I just have to do it. I, you know, I'm just stuck. I just have to do it. Let me give you a concrete example of this where I see this quite often. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying where I see it quite often. And I see young people sell away their virginity like it's a bowl of red lentils. And, and sell away their sexual purity like it's a bowl of red lentils. Well, you know, I just need it. Are you dying? Well, I feel as if I'm dying, but are you dying? I've never seen anybody actually die over something like this. And, and, uh, uh, but people will sell away their purity and they'll give it away, not just once, but again and again and again and again, over and over again, not realizing the ramifications of this in their future marriage, in their future relationship with their future spouse. And you say, well, uh, this person and I, we're going to get married. So what happens is, is I learned something when I was your age. My first year of graduate school, I saw a video by Winky Prattney. And, and his words have never left me. He said, if you lower moral standards before marriage, they'll be easier to lower in marriage. So even if you say, well, the, we're going to get married as a couple, so why does it even matter? Because when you lower moral standards before marriage, it is easier to lower them in marriage. Because there are going to be times when you're going to be apart in marriage. Because one person has to go work overseas or somewhere, and another person, or one person's sick, and the other person uh, uh, and, 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 and is, is unable to have sexual relations because they're sick or something. So there are times when you're going to be unable to have sexual relations with your spouse. If you don't learn how to control those things before marriage, it's much harder to control uh, adultery within marriage. That's how I know. And remember, I'm not a prophet. You might be totally different. But I'm just saying of the data points that I have, and I have a lot of them. So there are things that we sell away. And we're going to see what happens to Jacob when he sold that, uh, I'm sorry, to Esau when he sold that away. And then I want to remind you of the verse in verse 34 of, of Genesis chapter 26. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Basimoth, the daughter of, of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. So when he was 40, he married outside the race of, of the Shemite line. He married outside of the line. So even though he was married outside the line, his father Isaac was trying to give him the blessing of the birthright. That's how bad this thing was. 
Because if he had given it to Esau, the sons that would have been in line would not have been fit for this because the Messiah has to come from this line. Would have messed up everything. So you see, God is going to prevent this from happening. He's going to prevent, uh, Je- he's going to prevent Joseph, uh, I'm sorry, he- he's going to, he's going to, uh, prevent Isaac from giving away this birthright, this blessing in the wrong place. So let's read it again from chapter 27, verse 1. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and he said to him, my son, and he said to him, here I am. Isaac said, behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, your bow and go out in the field and hunt game for me and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. So it says, says in, in, uh, uh, chapter 25 of Genesis, it says that, that, um, uh, verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man, living in tents. Now, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Why did Isaac love Esau? Because he had a taste for game. This is like gluttony. Because my son brings me food, I love him. This is crazy. Because my son is a football player, I love him more than my other children. Because he satisfies me in this way. The mother loved Jacob. And it says Jacob was a peaceful man. And we talked about this last time. That word peaceful is the word tam in Hebrew. Tam in Hebrew, this is only used of two people in the Bible. This word is only used of two people. It's used of Noah and it's used of Job. It's used of, of Noah in Genesis 6-9 of, and of Job in Job uh, 1-8. There are three people in the Old Testament that are spoken of really highly in the Old Testament. And that's Noah, Job, and Daniel in the book of Ezekiel chapter 14. It uses these men of mo- as models of righteousness. Daniel wasn't yet born. This word Tem is used of Noah and of Job. It's also used of Jacob. So Gentile pastors often pick on Jacob. You know, the deceiver, this and that. God never does. God calls him a peaceful man, gives him the, na- the this word tam, peaceful man. This man of peace. That is the reason to love this kid. Now, even when he goes into this, he's not a willing party. But once he gets going in it, he ends up going and it ends up costing him as well. And in this in doing this, in, in, in saying, I'm going to give you the blessing. The blessing is supposed to follow the birthright. In doing this, Isaac is now going to violate. He's going to violate Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, where it says, the older shall serve the younger. So Isaac is trying to violate the things of God. He's trying to set up a line, a path that's going to cut off the line of the Messiah. And God will never allow that. You see, his word will come prevailing through over and over again. God would have interceded in what Isaac was going to do. But Rebecca, rather than appealing to her husband, rather than praying to God, she goes and she does this, this deception and she's going to end up paying an enormous price for this. So Rebecca in verse 5 of, of chapter 27, Rebecca was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. 
So when Esau went to the field to, to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I've heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his mother, Rebecca, his mother, Rebecca, behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, then I will be a deceiver in his sight, and will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go, get, go, uh, go get them for me. So he went and he got them, brought them to his mother, and his mother made a savory dish just as the father, as the father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. So uh, she also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. Okay, so now here comes the deception. So Rebecca calls calls her son, and she says, this is what we got to do. We've got to intercept this. Now, remember, he's 77 years old. So it's, it's not like, well, mom, please, no. No, he's 77. He's well within the age that he could have stood up to this. And and uh, she says, go get these these the, the savory food. I'm going to cook it just like he likes it. So she's able to prepare domesticated food as if it had been wild game. She knows how her husband likes the food. So she's going to deceive his taste. His, his, his eyes are already dim. So he's so old, he's got cataracts probably. So the blindness is already there. So you've got that one, one of the five senses done away with. The sense of taste, she's going to deal with by cooking it just like he likes it. The sense of touch, she's going to change by taking the, the, the skin of the animals that are hairy. And remember, it says of, of, of Esau, when he was born, he was a very hairy man. You know, there, there's some guys, particularly from that part of the world, that just have, you know, like mats of hair on the back of their hands. I mean, these are tough guys. I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying they're, they're tough guys. But, but uh, uh, Jacob was, was smooth, and so she put the skins on here, and then on the smooth part of his neck... She was, she, was, he was, she was going to deceive his sense of touch. And then, then his sense of smell by putting Esau's clothing on Jacob. Because clothing, you, you, you know, they, they didn't have dry cleaners all the time. So it would bear the, 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 the aroma of the individual. I mean, that happens. I mean, this sounds kind of crazy. But when, when I go in my closet to get my things, so... I know some of you have gone in the closet. So I have like a nano portion. Shereen has this whole rest of the walk-in closet. And, you know, I mean, shoes just all over. Shoes. And so it's amazing. And uh, um, But what I can do is is sometimes I will just take one of her her her, uh, her, her outfits and just smell it. And I can smell my wife. And it makes me feel good. And I just, you know, I can just... I know that this is my wife's clothing. And uh, um, so she was going to put Esau's clothing on him. And remember, I mean, it really bore the aroma because they didn't have deodorant back then. And 
And so it really carried this aroma. So she was going to deceive the sense of, of smell this way. The one thing she couldn't change was the voice. She couldn't change the voice. And that's the one that almost catches them in this. So, so there, there's the ruse. All right. And, uh, um, verse 18. Then he came to his father and he said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? So he recognized the voice was his son. He only has two sons. He says, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Now, it's not just the voice. What we're going to see is Jacob speaks to his father very differently than does Esau. Esau's a tough, disrespectful guy. He goes off, he marries two women that are Hittites that his parents don't even care for and all the problems with that. And we talked about that last time that, that this is a family thing. Make sure your families are okay with this because you're going to need help in your marriages. But, but uh, uh, he says to him, he addresses him, my father, my father. There's this enormous respect, my father. Esau doesn't speak like this. You know, regardless of the voice, I could tell my sons apart just by the way they, just by the words they use because they're two different people. Esau doesn't speak to his father that respectfully. That's what we'll see. Jacob says, my father. So immediately he's sensing, this is my son, Jacob. Just by the way he addresses me, let alone his voice. And he says, who are you, who are you my son? Because he's expecting Esau to be returning. But Jacob comes. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Now, there's two words for I in Hebrew. There's ani and anoki. There's ani and anoki. And he uses this word anoki because anoki is nondescript. It says, I am Esau, your firstborn. You could be a little bit truthful in this by saying, Firstborn. So in other words, Jacob had the right of the firstborn. He had purchased it with a bowl of lentils. So by saying, Anoki, I, firstborn, he's a little bit truthful. When he says, the, the, the part where he talks says that I am Esau, there he's not truthful. But there was a little bit of truthfulness in it. He says, I have done as you have told me. Get up. Please, you see that word, please, get up, please. That is the word, if you look in the original text, I pray thee. And you'll see that translated directly in the King James. Get up, I pray thee. It's this word, please. We've talked about this before. His other son, Esau, never uses please, never uses I pray thee. So again, it's not just the voice. It's the words that the guy is using. Different people use different words. You know, I, I can pour on the charm. You know, I... My wife is is very nice person. She's naturally nice. I am not, but I can pour on the charm. And and uh, um, when the, uh, just recently I was speaking at a university, and a guy that I that I've known for for over thirty years, I worked in his lab more than thirty years ago. Uh, he was at the talk, and afterward, you know, lots of people were coming up to me, and I I was speaking very graciously to people. And the guy who's known me for over thirty years, he goes, he 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 goes. Uh, uh, Always the one to speak with class. Now, because around him, I've always spoken with class. But you see, people recognize you. He hasn't seen me in years, but he knew that this is the way that I speak to people. If they're going to come up to me after a talk, you know, I'm going to graciously address them and speak to them. 
he recognized just by the words that I use that that's the way I've always been, forcing myself to do it. But but he says, get up, please sit and eat of my game that you may bless me. Verse 20, Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have, have it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. So this is really interesting. Isaac says, Isaac, so, so, so he says, please, please eat of this so that you may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, how is it that you got it so quickly? Well, mom just had me pick up the food, right? I didn't have to hunt it, really. That's why. But he says, he says, the Lord, he says, uh, um, uh, the Lord, your God, caused it to happen to me. The Lord. This word, Lord, is Jehovah, the personal name of God. Because Jehovah, your God, caused it to happen to me. It's interesting. He would not say, because my God caused it to happen. He's in an act of deception. He can't bring himself to say, the Lord, my God, has helped me. He says, the Lord, your God, caused it to happen. You see what I mean? He knew when you're walking in deception, you know it. You know it. And you can't bring the name of God into this easily. And that he even named God's name, it makes it worse. Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, and, and, oh, and by the way, Esau would never say that. You never see Esau even using the name of God at all. Something is not making sense to Isaac. He's 137 years old and he's blind. But he hears this even using the name of God is striking him. Verse 21, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So here he's going to touch him. And so they've already planned for the touch. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. And really the direct translation of this is I, Ani. Not Anoki anymore, but Ani. No hesitation. Now it's full throttle lie. He says, Ani, I, Ani. This is what happens when you start walking in deception. You start out a little bit and then you get caught in this thing and it gets worse and worse and worse. I've seen this thing and I tell my students, do not cheat on your reactions. Don't lie about what you get. Because what I have seen is that you lie and you lie a little bit more, lie a little bit more, and you start doing chemistry that's so amazing that other people start following behind you and checking it because it's so good, and then you get caught. I said, if you start out little, and then you see it right here, starting out little, then it catches up with you, I urge you to walk uprightly. Walk uprightly, because it will catch up with you. And then he says, he says, uh, um, then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and he kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of the garments, he blessed him. It was the smell of the garments. I know you're my son. 
the sense of smell. The sense of smell is so amazing. Uh, um, he said, I know this is my son, the garments, the smell. See the smell of my son. I, I like the smell, it is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and the abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. Those last two verses link it with the Abrahamic covenant. The verses above it that your brothers are going to serve you. He thinks he's blessing Esau. He is violating directly what God had told to do two chapters earlier. This is how far Isaac had gone from following the truth because he wanted his own way, because he wanted good food in his belly. Because I want to be able to have my sexual activity. I will go against what God says. It's not going to bother me. Things catch up with people. Things catch up. And then in verse 30, Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Then he made, then he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of my son's game, that he may bless me. Isaac, his father, said, Who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Actually, he lied. He was not the firstborn. He lost the firstborn right. And Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate of it before, uh, before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. Bless me, even me also. The only reason he's saying my father is that I got to get this blessing. This crying out, bless me, he cries out. This guy is crying out, seeking with tears, it tells us in the New Testament. He sought it with tears, but he couldn't get it back. It was gone and he couldn't get it back. I urge you to do what is right, to do what is right, because when you lose these things, they are gone. Hebrews chapter 11, 24. Hebrews chapter 11, 24 says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses had every opportunity growing up in Pharaoh's house to enjoy all the riches of Pharaoh's house, but he decided to walk with God because he chose the reproach of Christ's greater riches. I urge you to walk uprightly, to keep that which is good. You say, well, I've blown it already. Well, walk uprightly from this day. Walk uprightly in these things. Consider the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Greater riches than what the world says is good. I have seen the destruction of the world's decisions, of the world's decisions of what they make. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 17, If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself. I have walked with God for over 40 years. I have seen over and over again this word to be true. I know that this is the teaching of God. That what the world offers you is not the teaching of God. And, and, uh, 
and I, I urge you to walk uprightly. So, so uh, uh, there are verses on this about walking uprightly. So Deuteronomy 6.8 says this. Listen to this. This is an important verse. Deuteronomy 6.8. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. You do right and good in the sight of the Lord. You will spare yourself as that crying out of what Esau is now weeping for what he lost. Because he didn't care about the birthright. He only wanted the blessing for what it was going to give to him. He married outside of of his family's will, caused great problems to his parents, and now he's losing out. And this is what I see from my perspective, from having been in, in the university for over 40 years in the university, and having seen this with my own eyes, I see a decade later, two decades later, what happens to lives of people that do not walk according to the scriptures. I see young guys, they think they got the world by the tail. And the enemy, the devil, trounces them over the next few decades. And they cry out like Esau. That's why the world says, the word says, do what is right. Philippians 4.9 says, Paul says, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. Peace comes through practice. You practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. If you are here today and you do not know the Lord, I urge you, please come to Jesus. The word that he speaks is come. Come. He invites you to come. In, in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this. So if you do not know the Lord, here's what Jesus says to you today. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You will find rest for your soul. Please come to him today. Today, this day, we are going to have lunch right here in this room. And it's a good lunch. I mean, it's, it's, it's great lunch. You, you, can't, you can't buy as good food as you can have here today for lunch. You can't. And it's multiple cuisines you, that you can partake of today. I will tell you my story. If you are an unbeliever, if you do not know Jesus, I urge you to please Stay here for lunch, all right? If you've got other plans that you plan to do, cancel them, all right? Cancel them and have lunch with me. And I will tell you my story because I just want to tell you about how Jesus came into my life. I just want to tell you my story, how Jesus came into my life. Your soul is so precious. It's so precious to me. And for those of you who know the Lord, I pray that in your lives you do not have to cry out like Esau. What happened to my blessing? What happened to my life? I've lost out on everything. I pray that that never has to happen to you because you will walk according to the Scriptures, according to the Word of God. May you do that, I pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for Your Word. And I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, first of all, for the believers who are here, 
that you would cause them to walk according to your word and the truth of your word. Father, please cause them to walk according to the truth of your word. Your mercy and your grace be there according to the truth of your word. Father, that they would have good lives where, as Paul said, that they would have peace. Father, that peace will come upon their lives, that they need not cry out like Esau. And Father, for those here who do not know you, Lord, I pray that some would stay for lunch today so that I can tell them my story about Jesus and how he came into my life and changed my life. Father, please save people's souls today, I pray. Turn them to you. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray again for the believers that they would so love your word. And as Jesus said, if anyone is willing to do of this word, anyone willing to obey his word, Father, I pray that they would obey the word of God so that then they could see that indeed the Bible is true. That indeed every word in the Bible is true. That it is of God and not from myself. Father, your grace be upon them. Have mercy upon these young people. And I pray for the peace of God in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.